Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. This week we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our webpage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. I wonder how long John had been in the wilderness. It must have been more than a few days. Was it months? Was it years? And I wonder if maybe not that many people had actually showed up. Maybe they had other things uh, they had to attend to. Maybe it was family obligations, uh, work commitments. You know, they always meant to. But uh, something always seemed to get in the way. And so I, I actually wonder if John had very, very few people there at the river to exhort. Until something happens. Uh, something really big happens, and then suddenly there are scores of people. Crowds of people were told by the River Jordan. They're all straining to hear the words of this prophet that they hadn't had the time for before. And I wonder if that's why John reacts so strongly with that whole brood of vipers comment. In the ancient world, uh, snakes were seen as predictors of disaster. For instance, fleeing their dens hours or even days before earthquakes. Apparently, it has to do with tremors and also some kind of radiation that comes out of the rocks when they're stressed. But they didn't know that then. It's as if John had seen the danger for so long, but now, all of a sudden, they start to pay attention Have you ever wondered why those crowds showed up to listen to John? Why they left the the relative safety of Jerusalem to go out into the middle of the wilderness so that they could be challenged? Now, uh, in our day, there still are adherents to the people. There are groups who follow John the Baptist And so it's pretty clear that he was a powerful figure in the first century. So likely, there were people who were curious. They wanted to know who this prophet was, what he was pointing to. And I also believe that there were people there that day because underneath the surface of just making it day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, there was a longing, a yearning, maybe even a, a desperate feeling at the back of their throat. I believe that they knew, somewhere inside, they knew the dysfunction and the pain of the world that they were a part of and that they were hoping for something more. 
They wanted to change, but they weren't quite sure if they could, and maybe they just didn't know how. And so this also has made me wonder, why are we here? Why am I here this morning? Why are you here this morning? What did you come to see, to hear, to feel? What brought you to this place during a lingering pandemic in the middle of a rainstorm? What were you hoping to find? Sometimes it, it takes a, a fresh perspective uh, to breathe new life into old words. And so uh, often when I'm looking for that fresh perspective on a piece of scripture, I turn to Eugene Peterson and his paraphrase called The Message. You may be familiar with it. And sometimes there are awkward phrases uh, as he tries to bring to life some esoteric Greek word. But often there's something that just kind of catches. And so that's what happened for me this week as I read the end of this passage and how Peterson paraphrases John the Baptist's warning about the, the fire to come. Peterson paraphrases it this way. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. Change you from the inside out. On our, at our Wednesday service, when we read uh, this passage earlier this week, there were a few chuckles at the end of it when it says that John continued to preach the good news to the people. Because we wonder, can this really be good news? But I fundamentally believe that for the people there at the river and for us, there is good news today for any who look around them and feel stuck, discouraged, trapped, burdened. We cannot forget that John was talking to people who were entangled in empire. People who were hungry for a new way, a new heart, a new life. And that's what this is about, this new realm. It's a changed reality, one where we are not known because of our wealth or our education or our status or our age, but by the good fruit that our lives bear. Our regular, everyday actions that reveal mercy and compassion and righteousness. And that's 
That's good news. And I think that this yearning, the, the desperation of the people there that day is most clearly seen when they, uh, they finally realize something, right? John is preaching about the, the pain and the hurt of the world and, and of the ways that they are falling short of what God wants. And then he shows them what a changed heart looks like. And they see this gap. And they ask what I think is an essential human question. What should we do? What should we do? And John's answer to this question is just about as simple as it gets. <laughs> and it's something um, that I think we try hard to avoid. Because John says, what do people need? And what do you have? Share it with them. Sharing, it's, uh, it's, my, it's my guess that it's probably uh, most of us learned this lesson that we need to share uh, when we learn to speak and say, I want that, it's mine. And yet we find a million ways around this lesson. But just how much should I share? Who really needs it? What if they misuse it? Is it tax deductible? <laughs> Shouldn't someone else be doing this? Friends, it is not a coincidence that as we prepare the way to God with us, this Advent and every Advent, we ask our neighbors what they need. Teenagers living on the streets, newly arrived immigrants, the Friends on Wheels RV camps, any who are hungry. And we do this because the evidence of a changed heart is clear Share what you have with those who have need. But the story doesn't end there. And that's what I find so compelling in this text. Because after this message about sharing, I think one that everybody was like, okay, right, we could do that. John is then approached by two people who have one thing in common. They are complicit in the machinations of the Roman Empire. The tax collectors were despised by the people because they didn't just collect taxes for the occupying power. They also used the power of their position, their privilege, to demand more money than was due, which they put in their pocket. And the soldiers who were paid by those taxes, they were known to use force, to use the, the law in a false way to extort people as a side hustle. 
And so there's something particular there. It's not just about sharing. It's a, it's a knowing that you're caught up in a system that is distorting human life. And you want out. And they feel caught. They're convicted in their hearts. But what are they to do? And they respond that uh, by asking a question that actually might be familiar to you. It is to me. How do you live in a dehumanizing system that is bigger and stronger than you are? They say, what about us? And here's what John says. Just quit it all. Stop being a tax collector. Stop being a soldier. Actually, no, that's not what he says. That's not at all what he says. In fact, John says, stay with it. Stay in it. He tells the tax collectors not to collect more than is due and the soldiers to stop extorting people and to be satisfied with their wages. In effect, he says, yes, the system is broken and you still have agency in it. But what you have to do is to resist using the power and the privilege that the empire affords you for your own advantage. Go back to your lives and live as if the realm of God was right here at hand. Which isn't always what we want to hear. We don't want to hear this because all of us live in a world in which we participate in systems that encourage us to hurt each other. To buy the cheapest food and clothing, no matter the true cost. To use the lending practices that shut others out but benefit us. To live by laws that keep poor people in jail while rich people are free on bail. And seeing where the realm of God is breaking in will mean getting proximate to the pain, which is hard. And then it means changing our behavior when we see the pain, which is even harder. And we don't get this in our text, but I do wonder... Um, what it was like for those tax collectors and their soldiers when they went back into the lives they led. And here's where I think this will involve risk. Because the rest of our 
fellow proverbial tax collectors and soldiers may not be able to see the realm among us. And even if we are ready, they may not want to give up the advantages that we've all been afforded. And then what? But here's why the crowds came to see John, the the commoner, the tax collector, the soldier, all alike. And it's why I believe that you and I showed up here today. Because there is another way. It is real and can be glimpsed here and now. And we'll know it when what we give up, everyone receives. And we'll know it when together, we all are free to bear fruit. The fruit that changes the world.